Isaiah 46. Bell bows down, Nebo stoops. Their idols were on the beasts and on the cattle. Your carriages were heavy loaded, a burden to the weary beast. They stoop, they bow down together. They could not deliver the burden, but have themselves gone into captivity. Listen to me, O house of Israel, or Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel, who have been upheld by me from birth, who have been carried from the womb, even to your old age, I am he. And even to gray hairs, I will carry you. I have made and I will bear. Even I will carry and will deliver you. The word of God. You may be seated. What are you carrying today? Sometimes it may be a bit obvious. Um, I've gotten to the stage of pregnancy where people are no longer a little hesitant to ask me about being pregnant. They said, well, I think, I think we could tell enough that this is probably the case. Yesterday I went to a restaurant, they, they said, did you know there's sprouts with that? I'm like, okay, yeah, please leave that out. Thank you very much. And this last week, um, I went to a restaurant and uh, the, the waiter said, and what are you having? And I said, um, I was going to my menu item, and she's like, no. And I realized she was asking if I was having a boy or a girl. <laughs> and I said, well, it's a surprise. We like surprises. So I tend to be a pretty public kind of person, and so I enjoy the questions, the comments, the request to touch my belly. Um, that is a good thing for me. It's not so for everyone. Um, but I, I enjoy things being, being obvious um, in that way. But today what we carry may not be, it may not be so obvious. On Mother's Day, what we carry with us can be complex. We carry with us the joys or sorrows of our relationships with our own mothers who may or may not be living today. We carry with us unmet desires, disappointments in the journey of mothering. Baptist pastor Elizabeth Hagen wrote a book called birthed, finding grace through infertility. She states that one out of eight couples struggles with infertility. In a blog post, she, she wrote, quote, I have been in labor for almost five years. There have been ultrasounds, there has been blood work, there has been pain, both physical and emotional. I feel called to motherhood. It's as strong as the calling I felt to enter the pastorate 10 years ago. But I am still a childless mother. At this junction of the journey, I choose to believe that the, de the desires of my heart will come to fulfillment somehow, some way. We carry with us our losses even in the midst of new life. In a study from Jerusalem, Israel, of 50,000 women admitted to labor and delivery, 43% reported having experienced a miscarriage in the past. 43%. We carry with us our fears. This week, a leaked draft opinion from the Supreme Court overruling the 1973 Roe v. Wade decision caused some to celebrate and some to mourn. I read a New York Times article 
uh, this week called Who Gets Abortions in America? And I was very fascinated to discover that 49% of women who had an abortion in 2014 live below the poverty level. 60% of women who had abortions that same year were already mothers. 50% had two or more children already. Professor Upahai from the University of California, San Francisco said this, quote, one of the main reasons people report wanting to have an abortion is so they can be a better parent to the kids they already have. Now as a congregation right now, we're sitting here, we heard the news this week, I mentioned some celebrate, some mourn, and I'm sure within our church family we have a spectrum of opinions on the legal status of abortion. But I do believe that we can come together around Paul's words here. In 1 Corinthians 12, 25 and 26, Paul writes that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. In Galatians 6, verse 2, Paul says again, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. As followers of Jesus, we have to find ways to bear the burdens of those who are longing to have children. And we have to find ways to bear the burdens of those who don't feel they have the needed reserves or the support to do so. This Mother's Day, we carry their burdens with us. In our text today from Isaiah, we see the burdens of people who lived about 2,500 years ago. In July of 586 BCE, the city of Jerusalem had fallen after a two-year siege by the Babylonians. The temple of Yahweh built by Solomon was destroyed, and it was something that most Israelites could never have imagined. This could never happen to us. The temple in Jerusalem could never be destroyed, and now they were exiles, foreigners, refugees in a hostile territory. In the way that ancient people thought, they believed that if your people destroyed my people, it means that your gods are stronger than my gods. Therefore, the Babylonian gods, Bel, Nebo, they must be stronger than the Judean god, Yahweh. But Isaiah paints a different picture. Instead of victorious gods, Bel and Nebo, they're actually burdens that must be carried. They themselves will go into captivity eventually. And Isaiah says, if you switch allegiances, you're following gods that don't have any power to deliver you. They have to be carried. And then the voice of Yahweh breaks into the scene in verse 3 of Isaiah 46. Listen to me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel who have been upheld by me from birth, who have been carried from the womb. In contrast to the heavily loaded animals carrying idols, God says, I have carried you from the womb. Now, when you, look, when you look for images of God portrayed as a mother in Isaiah, this verse doesn't always come up. You're more likely to hear quoted, um, say, Isaiah 42, verse 14, where God says, I've held my peace a long time. I have been still and re restrained myself. Now I will cry like a woman in labor. I will pant and gasp at once. I bet you didn't know that God compared God's self to a woman in labor, did you? 
God is described here in Isaiah as a warrior and a woman in labor fighting for new life. Or perhaps you'll see Isaiah 49, verse 14 to 15. But Zion said, the Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget, yet I will not forget you. See, I have have inscribed you in the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. If you are a nursing mother, you cannot go too long without either feeding or pumping before your breasts start to hurt because they are full of milk. God here in Isaiah, is using this analogy. It says, you know what? There's a physical connection between a mother and a nursing baby. And just as there's that physical connection, just like a breastfeeding mother, I am unable to forget you because of this physical connection that we have to each other. Maybe you'll see mentioned Isaiah 66, 12 through 13, which says, For thus says the Lord, Behold, I will extend peace to her like a river, and the glory of the Gentiles like a flowing stream. Then you shall feed, on her side shall you be carried, and be dandled on her knees, as one whom his mother comforts. So I will comfort you, and you shall be comforted in Jerusalem. God is described as the mother of a toddler, Carrying us on the hips, bouncing us on the knees. We sometimes miss God as a mother in Isaiah 46 because of how this verse is translated, how verse 3 is translated. The New King James Version, what I'm reading from right now, says, Who have been upheld by me from birth, who have been carried from the womb. But the word translated birth here is actually belly. The verse actually says, You have been upheld by me from the belly, carried from the womb. Now, even if you want to argue with me that, well, uh, Isaiah, God here in Isaiah is actually talking about after the belly, right? From out of the belly, out of the womb, I carried you. Well, let's think about that for a minute. Who normally carries newborns, friends? In May 2020, the Matador Network shared an article showing the ways babies are carried around the world. In Mozambique, babies are carried in a cloth called a capulana. In Nigeria, it's a kanga. In Peru, it's a manta. In Mexico, it's a rebozo. In Nepal, it's a basket. In every case, it's a mother. Now in 2019, a Spanish photographer, Marta Moreiras, realized she had only seen pictures of uh, um, Senegalese women carrying babies on their back. She'd done a lot of photographs in Senegal, and she said all the pictures are of women. And she asked her male friends in Senegal about this, and they said, well, we help with the kids at home, we carry the kids on our backs at home, but we would not carry the kids on our backs in the street because that would make people ask questions. And so she, she convinced, she talked to these men and said, you know, can I take a picture of you with the baby, carrying the baby? And they said, okay. And then she said, can I take a picture of you with the baby on your back? And they were a little hesitant, but then said, okay. And then she said, I need a more interesting background. Can I please take a picture of you outside with the baby on your back? And they're like, uh, okay. 
And so she took a whole series of pictures of men with these babies on their back, and the men were so, so surprised at the positive response of the people on the street. They were excited to see, to, see, to see this. And this is one picture of Jules with his baby Jade. Now, I am super grateful to have an ergo baby carrier and a husband who isn't afraid to wear one. Amen? <laughs> but lest we think these stereotypes uh, don't go beyond Senegal, this is one from England in 2018. Piers Morgan, an English broadcaster, tweeted a picture of Daniel Craig from James Bond fame wearing his baby daughter. And the quote, the, twi uh, the tweet said, oh, 007, not you as well, hashtag papoose, hashtag emasculated bond. The tweet got thousands of responses. Many of them, thankfully, from my perspective, were critical of, of this perspective. But the fact that it went out at all highlights the reality that many still have very strong feelings about who ought to be caring and caring for small children. God gave the exiled people this promise, I will carry you, I will carry you. But they, like us, often like to carry our idols instead. Now it's unlikely that you've seen any carved images for sale recently, right? But we do make our own idols. Too often we make God in our own image instead of the other way around. Too often we have fixed categories of who God is and what God ought to be doing in the world. And when we see God as exclusively Father, we miss the mothering aspects of who God is. This results in a lopsided view of God. In her book, Beyond God the Father, written in 1973, feminist theologian Mary Daly said this, if God is male, then male is God. What is she saying? When we see God as exclusively male, we end up valuing masculinity over femininity, Men over women, boys over girls. But Genesis 1 verse 27 says this, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Male and female, made in the image of God. In 1997, a study looked at two different samples of, of children, ages four through 11. When these kids perceived their fathers as nurturing, they saw God as being more nurturing. When the kids saw their mothers as powerful, they perceived God as being powerful as well. You see, narrow perceptions of what a father is and what a mother is can limit our understanding of who God is as well. It can also prevent our daughters from feeling connected with God. And a study published in, in 1999 in the International Journal for the Psychology of Religion, again, kids that same age, four to 10, were interviewed. Boys perceived God as closer when God was perceived as a man. Girls perceived God as closer when God was perceived as uh, neither a man or a woman or like a woman. We are all made in the image of God. 
What we carry this morning with us may not be limited pictures of who God is, but instead expanded ideals of who we ought to be. Friends, parenting books and blogs can be brutal. If you're not perfectly consistent all the time, you're messing up your, child, your children for life, aren't you? At least that's what they want you to believe. Ideals can quickly become idols. And I say that again. Ideals can quickly become idols. Many of us suffer from burnout or breakdown because these idols have become too heavy to carry. The God of the Bible, the God of the Bible says, I will carry you. Put down the idols. They have no power to deliver. I will carry you. The God of the Bible isn't afraid to be identified with a pregnant or giving birth or breastfeeding or toddler-carrying mother. And the God of the Bible promises to carry us. We never get tired of being carried, do we? Our kids started at La Sierra Academy Children's Center this week, and we were so excited and grateful um, to meet the staff there who've been so warm and organized and friendly, and the director is so responsive and helpful. Thank you so much, Maritza. It's been wonderful uh, to be there at La Sierra Academy. And the kids get to be together, which I love, because our boy just turned two and our girl isn't, isn't uh, four yet, so the twos and threes are in the same classroom and they can help each other. But despite all of that, two out of his four days so far, Eric has cried when we take him to the children's center. So I take him there, holding him, um, and then he says to me, um, he says to me, um, pick me up. And it's hard to put him down and leave him. It's hard. It's hard to put him down. But guess what? The Lost Year Children's Center has an app where they send you updates all day long. I love it. So here's Eric and Eleanor playing, and I was reassured that even though he cried when I left, he was good in a few minutes. Um, there's them playing, and then they sent me pictures of them taking naps. Um, Eric and the picture of Eleanor taking a nap, which she never takes a nap at home anymore. So thank you, La Sierra Children's Center. I don't know how you did it. Please let me know. Um, and then another picture here of the two of them together. And, and throughout the day, Brightwheel is sending me alerts. I'm like, oh, they went to sleep. Oh, they went potty. Oh, this is fantastic. And there's nothing like getting back to the La Sierra Children's Center and having Eric, like, I, I see him, and Eleanor is excited to see me too, but she's, like, ready for school. Um, but Eric is like, he says, he sees me, his face lights up, and he says, Mama here, Mama here, Mama come, Mama come, and he comes running to me and wants to be picked up and carried. But he doesn't know that I was actually carrying him the whole day through that app. <laughs> he may not feel my arms, but I'm carrying him still. Friends, you might not feel God's arms right now, but God is carrying you still. God's promise to carry us doesn't end in infancy. Even to your old age, I am he, 
Isaiah 46, 4, and even to gray hairs, I will carry you. I have made and I will bear, even I will carry and I will deliver you. These idols that you carry cannot deliver you, but I will. I love this word for delivery, to be set free, delivery. The Hebrew word literally means to make smooth, to escape by slipperiness. Remind you of anything? Sounds a lot like birth to me. God says, I will carry you from the womb and through your old age till you have gray hairs. I will carry you. My mother has carried me from the womb and she continues to carry me today no matter how old I get. And guess what? When I lived at, at home, even when I was a freshman in college, my mom could not go to bed until she knew I was in bed. I'm so grateful for her texts and calls, even today, um, to see how we're doing, her love and care for our kids. Um, she never fails to watch one of my sermons, so I know she's watching now or she's going to watch later. So thank you, Mom. Thank you, Mom. And all the encouraging comments, and she's my biggest um, supporter. Thank you, Mom. From womb to gray hairs. This promise of God reminds me of a book called I Love You Forever. You know this. Ah. So in the beginning of a book, a mother holds her newborn baby and very slowly rocks him back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And while she held him, she sang, I'll love you forever. I'll like you for always. As long as you're living, my baby you'll be. The baby grew, he grew and he grew and he grew and he grew until he was two years old and he ran all around the house. He pulled all the books off the shelves. He pulled all the food out of the refrigerator and he took his mother's wash and flushed it down the toilet. I feel like I know this two-year-old. Sometimes his mother would say, this kid is driving me crazy. But at nighttime when that two-year-old was quiet, she opened the door to his room, crawled across the floor, looked up over the side of his bed, and if he was really asleep, she picked him up and rocked him back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And while she rocked him, she sang, I'll love you forever, I'll like you for always. As long as I'm living, my baby you'll be. The two-year-old becomes a nine-year-old. The nine-year-old becomes a teenager, and then the young man uh, moves to a house across town. And this is where the mother gets just a little bit creepy. <laughs> a bit stalker-like, she puts a ladder on her truck. She drives to this young man's home. And then it says, if all the lights in her son's house were out, she opened his bedroom window, crawled across the floor, looked up over the side of his bed, and if that great big man was really asleep, she picked him up and rocked him back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, singing her song. Now, in real life, friends, this book only works for the infant. I don't know about you, but there's no way I'm picking up my two-year-old if they're perfectly asleep. And please don't break into your adult children's homes. It does not make for good relationships. But this is a beautiful illustration of how a mother's love carries us till we gray, isn't it? In December 2014, foster mom Nicole Alice got a call about a medically fragile seven-week-old 
whose birth parents couldn't care for him because he was so severely sick. His name was Sebastian. He was born with two collapsed lungs, a non-functioning bladder, a non-working left kidney, and a failing right one. Can you believe it? Sebastian was taken into the Alice family's home as a foster child and went through 30 surgeries. In 2016, the Alice family adopted Sebastian, and yet his one remaining kidney kept failing, kept continuing to fail. So Nicole had a dream about donating one of her kidneys to her adopted son. Tests revealed that she was a match. She was 48 years old. Normally, they didn't take people past 30, um, but they made an exception so that she could donate her kidney to her baby boy. In October of 2017, that's exactly what she did. And two months later, this little boy who had only been eating uh, through a feeding tube started nibbling on some food. Nicole, her husband, and their four adult children got to see Sebastian eat cake for the first time on his fourth birthday. Sebastian was recently diagnosed with autism and still receives liquids from a G-tube. Nicole, um, who is black, Nicole is black, she said she now has a funny response to those who ask her um, if Sebastian, who is white, is her child. And this is what she says. My response is, yes, he's 100% mine. He even has my kidney now. <laughs> that, friends, is the love of a mother. That's the love of a mother who carries you from the womb through to your gray hairs and will deliver you. Amen.